Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study. My name is Melanie C. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 6, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 58 for review, paragraph 2. And today's readers are 12 Steps, Rabia, 12 Traditions, Eddie, Reading of the text, Helena, Larry, and Sylvia. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, May 5th, 2014, is 6281. 6281. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Rabia to read the 12 steps. Good morning, this is Rabia. I am a compulsive overeater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others, and continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you, Rabia. I will now ask Eddie to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Eddie, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Virginia. 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, 
Each group, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the, alcohol, to the over, compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, OA should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, OA has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, and reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Eddie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 58. And for context and review, we'll start with paragraph two and focus the reading and studying rather on paragraph three. I will ask Helena R. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Helena in New Jersey. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. At some of these, we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. I'd just like to make a few comments on this. Um, it's very strong language in this second paragraph that I read. We beg of you, with all the earnestness at our command, to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Let go of our old ideas. The result will be absolutely nothing if we do not. Um, I, when I first came in, the things that I balked at were the idea of possibly making face-to-face -face amends to my ex-husband. Um, those kind of things. But as time went on, I found that I balked at many things. And the result truly was nil for many, many, many years. Um, I did not want to believe that there were certain things that I could not eat. 
I did not want to believe that I was playing God. Um, I thought my problem was food. I did not want to believe that my problem was selfishness and self-centeredness. And I had no idea that I was playing God. And these were many old ideas that I had to let go of. The idea that I could still manage my food, of course, step one. And then the other ideas that I was introduced to. And I think those of us, well, myself for sure, starting on this path, did not even know what was in store for us and what things I may or may not have been uh, willing to do as time went on. And now today, having uh, worked through the steps and living in 10, 11, and 12, there are still things that I sometimes want to balk at, but I have to be willing because the result will be nil even after all these years, as soon as I take back my own will and decide that I know better. Pass. Thank you, Helena. And starting with paragraph three at some of these we balked, who would like to comment on what was read? This is Larry. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Uh, Thanks, Mel. This is Larry, recovered uh, compulsive overeater from Chicago. So, um, you know, it says that some of these we balked, you know, um, and it's, you know, at these, what are these, the steps? We balked, um, you know, I hesitated and I, I, I remained unwilling for several years to accept you know, these, this idea, this, this undertaking. And, you know, and then it goes on to say that we thought we can find an easier, softer way. You know, to the newcomer or, or even the old-timer who's, who's never worked the steps precisely as laid out in this, in this book, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a, a, you know, a, a well-guarded secret with you. There's no easier, softer way. You know, there are, um, you know, I make light of it, but, you know, many people, and I've known some of them, um, have died from this disease in their search. You know, and and, and as I mentioned, for several years, I kind of joined the procession of well-intentioned saps who tried and failed. Um, You know, and I'm being a bit self-deprecating, but that that was the thing. You know, my my self-centeredness was so, the ego was so powerful that, you know, um, I, I tried. I tried to find, and, and I was just a, a long, long line of many people looking for an easier, softer solution since this program really was brought to life, you know, many, many years ago. And so it says, you know, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the start, you know, with all the earnestness, earnestness, all the sincerity, all the depth of, of my conviction to be fearless and thorough from the start. You know, and, and for those of us who, by the grace of God, are recovered, you know, through through painstaking experience, I can tell you, we recognize many people will not heed this warning. You know, and, and it, it saddens me um, that some will choose certain death in their delusion of, of control. And others, you know, may just reject the, the guaranteed solution. So I'm, I'm asked, you know, I mean, really, is it guaranteed for... You know, it's it's this is a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body because, you know that, you know, and there may be people that are incapable of getting honest with themselves. But remember, like I said, the result was was nil, was nothing until we let go absolutely. And uh, and some people won't do that. Um, but if you do, um, 
you know, this solution is, is amazing. And my life today is, uh, is a testament to this solution. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Sylvia. Oh, hi. Good morning, Sylvia. And then Leah. Yeah, Sylvia first and Leah. Good morning, uh, visionaries. This is Sylvia, recovered compulsive overeater in upstate New York. And um, yeah, the paragraph is as strong a paragraph just about as I could read in the big book. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, the fearless and thorough. Um, but the one I, the word I really like is the result was nil until we let go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, letting go. Absolutely. Is that's the process that we use by using the 12 steps and certainly, you know, those action steps of four through nine. Because I remember when I got into program and it, it, it was easy at first to give up the food and it was easy at first to follow the directions. And really, you know, they, they talk about that pink cloud and yeah, I, I just, it was so wonderful. But then I had a sponsor who, you know, I kept on buttoning up and she said, you know, she kept on saying, well, you're getting back into self-will. You're into self-will. And I didn't know what self-will was. What does that look like? I didn't know. And so now I understand that this letting go absolutely is the surrender to God. And the steps are what let me let go step by step. And it doesn't mean that I don't try and take it back, but that's why, you know, we have um, steps 10 and 11 for those uh, daily inventories and the nightly inventories is to keep on going back and going, there I go again, because if I don't let go absolutely either, you know, either I have faith in God and God is everything or not, or if I don't, it won't work. It just won't work because my ideas didn't work. I just made a mess of my life and a mess of my physical being. So I love this word, absolutely. And that's what I work on imperfectly every day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sylvia. Leah, I believe it's Leah S. next. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, visionaries. This is Leah from Brooklyn, New York. And um, this paragraph, every single word, I don't even know how to emphasize, but... um, uh, at some of these we walked, and um, we've got to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Fearless. I, it was like I, I thought I guarded my secret very, very well about my overeating. And here I'm reading, you have to be fearless and thorough. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, these people, they really know what I'm, I'm going through. They really, really identify with what I was going through. And yes, I've got to let go. I've got to, my whole perspective of so many things, of the way I did things, the way I saw things, the way I uh, interpreted things, uh, situations, uh, life in itself. It's such a remarkable, remarkable journey. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? 
This is Paula. May I share? Yes. Good morning, Paula. Good morning. You know, it, this is Paula Recovered Compulsive Reader, so I'm going to emphasize that word, recovered. And when I look at that word and I see what my life is, it is the easier, softer way. I thought it wasn't until I began to live it, and live it I did. And it says here also, and I love this word, with all the earnestness, look at what comes into that word. At our command, we beg of you, we beg of you. Boy, that's pretty darn strong. To let go of the things that were keeping me where I was. Yet I wanted to hold on to them. Why? Their ego. They're my ego and where it was. But then it says again, some of us have tried, and I'll tell you, I held on with the death grip, and I'm going to be very clear on that, a death grip it was. When I finally let go, when I finally, then life began. Thank you for allowing me to share, and with that I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on what we read? Sally. Hi, good morning, Sally. Good morning, Melanie. It's Sally. Good morning, visionaries. This is Sally, recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. I'm, I also would like to share on uh, this paragraph. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough. And when I read those words, fearless and thorough, I'm reminded of uh, page 64. It, it talks about the fact-facing, which is fearless, because it's, you've got to be fearless to be fact-facing, to look at your life as they're asking you to do here. You have to be fearless. And then thorough, it goes on to say on page 64, fact-finding. And so that when I read to be fearless and thorough, fact-facing and fact-finding from the very start, some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil until we let go, absolutely. I've had a number of people call me and say, Is, how can I really know that I can become recovered, that this process that, that really appears to be so scary, fact-facing, fearless, and it just is a lot of work, thorough. How can I know I can be recovered, they've said to me. And um, I've had more than... I can't tell you how many conversations I've had like that. And, and it dawned on me a few days ago. I remember when I was, I'm sorry, guys, to use this as an analogy for all the men out there, but it's a great analogy for me. I remember when I was pregnant with my first child and I finally gave birth. And in the delivery room, when my daughter was born, I remember my eyes literally popping out in my head and thinking, oh, my gosh, there really was a baby in there because I had nothing to do with it. She was in my belly, and God was doing this mighty work in me to make this baby. And I did my small part. I took my vitamins. I did a little exercise. I got my rest. I did whatever the doctor told me to do. And I had a midwife. And my midwife, sort of like my sponsor, was there guiding me along the path. And, but, but I didn't do anything. She didn't do anything. God was doing this work inside me to create this baby. And so when they say trust the process, I think of that day when this baby, my oldest, was born. And it was like, wow, this really does work. And honest and truly, when my first 
sponsee became recovered. And in time, as I watched the changes in that sponsee, I had the same exact feeling of, oh, my goodness, it really does work. It has nothing to do with me. It's all to do with God. Thanks for letting me share that. that I pass. Thank, thank you, Sally. This is Cynthia. Who else here? Good morning, Cynthia. Yes. Yes, thank you. Um, my name is Cynthia. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, th- this particular paragraph, we've heard it so many times, but that easier, softer way really jumped out at me this morning. I balked because I was looking for an easier, softer way. But really, this is the easier, softer way. The way I tried to live my life in my addiction was about being in control. Everything was my responsibility. I took responsibility for everything to make sure it would all work out all right. And in my recovery now, I have a higher power. And that's where my power comes from, from my higher power. And that there's freedom in that. There is such freedom in the steps. There's freedom in living this life. It is so much more free. I didn't give up really anything except what was really hurting me. Um, I gained the freedom. And that surrender that happened that I thought would be so terrifying, um, uh, I heard someone else share, um, called it, Choosing to cooperate with God's will sounds so much better to me. It doesn't have to be my will versus God's will. I need to align my will with God's will. And then it's choosing to cooperate, and it becomes so much easier. It does not have to be this uphill battle the whole way. Yes, I've had some you know, ups and downs, but this really is the easier, softer way. This disease nearly killed me. I came as close to dying from this disease as you can get, and I've had a miracle of recovery now. And um, I know there's the freedom in this recovery program. There's freedom in living the steps on a daily basis, and there is real freedom. It is the easier, softer way to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you. Would anyone else like to share on what was read before we move on? Lonnie? Oh, good morning, Lonnie. Yes, your turn. Great. Um, Good morning, everybody. Lonnie, um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, What this reminds me of, and some of these we balked, um, I know I certainly did, and I think the one that I, the step that I struggled with the most was turning my life and my will over to God. You know, or, you know, I thought I did, but I really didn't because I wasn't giving up control, you know. And it wasn't until about a year ago where I really started just focusing on my spirituality and and checking in with my higher power and connecting and then doing what I was being nudged to do. And I started creating that connection and truly, truly seeking um, God's will for me and doing that. You know, and the other word that stands out for me in that that paragraph is fearlessly. I think, you know, when I first started a program, I thought I was being fearless, and in some ways I was, and maybe that's as fearless as I could be at that time, um, because I was so clueless about so many things, about, you know, my need for control and perfectionism and my selfishness. I had total blinders on for those things, Um, but... 
the more I learn now that the more that I turn my life and my will over to God, the more that I'm acting, I won't say, I can't say fearlessly, but I can say courageously because I still have fear, but I'm doing it anyway, you know, because I know that I'm being nudged to do something and I know that that's God's will. So I, I, I move forward one foot at a time, one moment, one day at a time, and I have trust and faith. So most definitely when I first came into program, I balked at some of these, but you know, I, I was doing the steps anyway to the best of my ability at that time. And I'm grateful that the program and my continuation of working the steps, I continue to grow and evolve. And sentences or paragraphs that I've read a hundred times have new meaning for me, you know, when I hear them again on this phone meeting. So thanks for letting me share. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lonnie. And Chicago Larry, would you please read the next paragraph, number four? Absolutely. Thanks, uh, thanks, Melanie. Appreciate it. Larry, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Okay. So remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. All right, so um, here, you know, what I, what I like about this, you know, talking about alcohol, cunning, baffling, and powerful. You know, again, we read these things so many times, we hear them read at meetings that sometimes they can just kind of, you know, just float over our, our brain. But I really like the way that Bill tries to personalize the substance, you know, bring it to life by attributing these characteristics to it. So first, uh, first off, our substance is cunning. It's, it's crafty, it's devious, you know, it, it's scheming. You know, that's absolutely the case for, uh, for me. That's been my experience. And it's baffling. It's impossible to understand at times. I mean, it, it, totally, it had me completely perplexed. It was infuriating in its ability to confuse me. You know, it was absolutely baffling. And to say it's powerful is is to put it, you know, it doesn't do it justice. You know, it's robust. It has it has great strength. It has an overwhelming effect on me. Cunning, baffling, and powerful. See, all these characteristics are there, uh, I've learned, to remind me, you know what, Larry, don't underestimate your substance. Don't underestimate alcohol. You know, to remind me that if I try to outswim the tsunami, I'm going to lose that battle every time. If I try to, you know, rescue myself from the quicksand, uh, good luck. You know, I'm going to die trying. You know, I'm going to need some help. Without help, it says, it's too much for us. And I tell you, growing up, my mom never let us uh, play with uh, toy guns. So I, I've never shot a gun. Here I am in my in my 40s. Um, hope nobody holds that against me. But, but you know, it's I love this. You love the saying. Um, and I have no desire to shoot again. But I, I, I love the saying, you know, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. That resonates with me. You know, I better bring the heavy ammo, <clears throat> you know, and, and that one is God. And then it has the admonition, you know, may you find him now. And so, you know, there is, when it says there is one that has all power, that one is God, may you find him now. You know, remember, as we learned in We Agnostics, <clears throat> lack of power that was our dilemma. 
You know, it says we, we had to find a power by which we could live. So first off, it had to be a power in which I could live. I might have had a belief in some notion of God, but I'll tell you what, I couldn't live by that notion of God. I was killing myself, even, even with that belief system. So I had to find a power by which I could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. And it says that in we agnostics, obviously, duh, you know, but where in, and how are we to find this power? And for me, you know, um, I, I found this power amazingly. I thought I would find it in a church or a synagogue or a mosque or, a, you know, out in nature or, but I never did. All I found was another bakery box, another cellophane bag, day after day. Um, that's what I found with my belief in God. I found a personal relationship to a power greater than myself of my understanding coming into Alcoholics Anonymous. That, that wasn't my intention. You know, I had better things to do. I'm a very, very important person. I'll have you know. <laughs> you know, um, I had better things to do, right? But no, but, but I, I, I came in here to lose weight and just get rid of my problem, which I thought was food. You know, I thought I'd just put some Band-Aids on there, tie a tourniquet, and, and everything would be wonderful. You know, my relationships would be better, you know, by magic, presto. But that's, that what happened was is I worked these steps, and not right away, because I looked for an easier, softer landing. didn't exist. And I worked these steps, and in the process, just as, the, you know, I was promised, I would find a new relationship to a, to a higher power, one that I could live by, and I would change. This program is about change. And, and, and this program is not for people who uh, want it, and it's not for, for people who need it. Um, it's for people who do it. And that's what I found, and as a result, my life is transformed. I don't struggle anymore. You know, in the midst of calamity, I don't struggle. And for that, I'm very grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Who would like to comment on what was read? Marcella. Uh, I heard, um, I think, Kim and then Marcella. Is that, yeah. No, I heard it, Kim first, Kim G, then, and then Marcella. Thank you. Thanks, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. Now! You know, and I looked that up in the dictionary. It says, without further delay, immediately at once. Well, what does that often mean for us compulsive overeaters when we're active in our addiction? Well, Monday. Monday sounds good to start a diet. Or, you know, I need to get comfortable. I need to get comfortable in these meetings. I need to get comfortable in order to start these steps. Well, you know, honestly, if I could get comfortable... I don't need the steps. So it's letting us know we need to find him now. Why do we need to find him now? Why is at 59, page 59, which including the doctor's opinion, is now like 70-something pages, why are they saying we have to find him now? Because we've learned, we've come to the conclusion in step one that we're screwed. We're screwed. I have this allergy of the body that's never, ever going to change. I am never, ever going to be able to safely ingest those foods that create the phenomenon of craving or participate in those behaviors that create the phenomenon of craving. So more dastardly, I have this mind that even when I get the willpower to keep that food down, is always going to convince me 
that this time will be different. Come on, it's been 30 days. You can have just a little. It's only 300 calories. You just did an hour on the elliptical machine. You can handle this. And that dangerous combination, we have learned in these prior chapters that we are powerless. We are powerless. And what is that going to propel us to? If lack of power is my dilemma, which it is, then I'm going to need a power. And that conclusion in step two is needing a power. It's building an anxiety. It's building this need that we're going to be propelled to make a decision on that need. And that decision is I need to seek that power. And when do I need to seek that power? I need to seek him now. Now. So what do we have to do? Number one is we have to put the food down. We do not have the clarity to do these steps if we're still in the food. And unfortunately, that's a very muddled message in Overeaters Anonymous. People think, and unfortunately some of our literature says, that we can either get abstinent and work the steps or we can work the steps and get abstinent. If that really worked, our recovery rate would be 90%. Our recovery rate is so low because we as a fellowship are under the delusion that we can work these steps drunk. So number one, we have to put that food down. And, we're, and there's multiple places throughout the big book that lets us know at first, it's imperative we put the food down. Of course we have to be free from the, from the physical craving. And at this point, we're not talking about alcohol because the assumption is that we're sober. The assumption is that we are, we are um, abstinent. And my problem is I can't get comfortable abstinent. I'm holding my breath underwater. So what am I going to have to do? It says there is one who has the power. That one is God. That is the higher power. You must find him now. And if I don't find him now, I will be pummeling back into the food. And the big book does not lie because that was my experience for 17 years doing this program, not now, but when it was convenient and not too difficult. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Marcella, you're next. Um, thank you, Melanie. <clears throat> My name is Marcella. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. <clears throat> thank you all for being here. I just am so happy. I'm so joyous. I enjoy the freedom of not having cravings or resentment in my mind. I'm not hungry, and I live in a very pleasant size for gene size, which I absolutely love. There's nothing wrong with saying it. And may I find God now? And I just want to add to what beautifully has been said, that we don't find God alone. I did try. I did try. I was raised by a very religious family. And, and I spent extraordinary amount of time praying by myself, thinking that I was in direct connection with God and binging and purging and dieting. So how do we find God together? How do we put the food down together? You're not alone just saying, oh, this food is nice alcoholic food for me and I won't eat it today because all of us are doing it together. You're not alone. Don't Fearlessly, how do we gather the courage to not eat our alcoholic foods for 15 minutes at a time, for five minutes at a time? Because we're together. Together we find the strength to find God and together we find the courage 
to put the food down. Rarely have we seen somebody fail who has thoroughly thrown apart. Well, that was written by Beal, who was not a very good sponsor. If you want to find a very good sponsor, go to Bob's story. And he says, we never, it never fails. It, this process never fails. Never. No exception. If you invest in this process half, just half of the zeal that you used to pursue, in which you used to pursue your diet, your food, your feast, your gym, your other solutions, your other higher power, just half of the zest. I sit down and I do my mouth, I do my math, not my mouth, my math, my math. The amount of money, energy, and time that I invested trying to control my food, trying so hard to control my food. And once I hit my, my weight, which I did like three times in my life, I guess, and I remained in my weight for 15 minutes, it never lasted. So half of the time is not that much time. Where in the world do we get to spend one hour together and then be free for the next 23 hours? This is a major, this is a beautiful investment. The return is wonderful. One hour together in a vision for you and maybe another hour sponsoring people or being sponsored and we get to be free for the rest of the day. Where is God? Right here, right now. Where is the power that we need to put the food down today? Right here, right now. Where is the help? Go to the phone list. 879 people are there, me included. Right here, right now, if you're looking for an asking a date, today is the day. Five, six, easy to remember. Put the food down now. I'll do it with you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marcella. Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Bella. Can Bella. I share? No. Yes. This is Rachel from Toronto. I heard Bella, Leah, M, and Rachel. In that order, please. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Melanie. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. Uh, two words that really are very much powerful for me, help and power. Yes, before program, I didn't want to ask for help. I didn't want to. I was a people pleaser. I didn't want to tell somebody that I need something, that I don't know everything. I didn't want people should think I am missing something. I needed to show everybody I am perfect. I am better than you. I don't need something from you. Well, I, I didn't mind to help somebody else, but there is no two ways. I don't need to get help. I know everything. I am in control. I don't need you. I can manage by myself. And well, I knew, I knew that it's not true. I knew that sometimes, yes, I do needed help, but it was too much for me. It was very much embarrassing for me to go to somebody and to say, well, I need help. I need you. And then when I 
prefer to stay lonely and alone because I, I wanted the control. I wanted the power and I knew that I don't have, but I didn't know what to do with this knowledge. Thank God, thank God, now that I am in the program and I got my power. When I got my power, when I let go absolutely, when I know that I have a higher power, yes, God is my higher power. And I have the power to say, well, I don't know everything. I can be very smart, I can be very pretty, and still, I don't know everything. I don't know everything all the time. Yes, I can do things all the time by myself. Thank you, God, that now I am not looking for perfect because I cannot reach this goal. I cannot reach the goal of perfect because I am human. It's so much powerful for me now to say, well, thank you, God, that I am human. Yes, I have my limitations. I am looking for help because I am not perfect and I don't want to be perfect anymore. I am not looking for this goal. Now I am connected to the higher power, to God. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Leah M., you're next. Thanks so much, Mel, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah M., recovered compulsive overeater. Without help, it is too much for us, but there is one who has all power. That one is God. Again, this text was written by those in whom the problem had been solved. They had been recovered. The obsession of the mind had been driven out. So they're they're letting me know here there is one who has all power leah and that one is god so what they're you know letting me know here is that uh, freedom isn't free you know what was my problem lack of power was my dilemma what's going to be my solution a power greater than myself that's going to be able to restore me to sanity have soundness of mind relieve me of the obsession and allow us to walk as free men and women so the essence of, of the 12 steps is that it's going to remove the blocks, uh, remove those things, those barriers that block us from the higher power deep down within us. And as soon as that block is removed, as soon as those blocks are removed, we have contact with that higher power, however we conceive that higher power. And as soon as we have contact with that higher power, however we conceive that higher power, we become sane. And being sane for you and me means that we no longer need to dig our fists into bakery boxes and cellophane bags. So what this text is teaching us is that for the obsession of the mind to be lifted, for this uh, madness and mayhem to be relieved, this cunning, baffling, and powerful disease we're going to have to be rid of self-centeredness. We're going to have to go from self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. Why? Why? Because without help, it's too much for us. I know personally, I was overwhelmed by this disease. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed by compulsive overeating. 
And just like being in quicksand, the only way to be delivered from quicksand is to be rescued from it. (laughs) Because any move you make, if you're in quicksand, any motion you make, any move you make left to your own resources only uh, pushes you further in its grip. The only way to be relieved of that situation is to be rescued from it. And I found that to be the same with my compulsive overeating. Left to my own resources, I only got myself further into a mess. I was like a sandcastle that continued to be crumbled when the tide came in. So what was going to be the solution? The solution was going to be a relationship, to forge a relationship with a higher power, to rightly relate myself to God. And the book was designed to bring about that experience. Can I have an experience that moves me, you know, from, from one, uh, one, you know, uh, life of self-centeredness to God-centeredness? Yes, indeed. <laughs> through the working of these steps, through the application of these steps. You know, Dr. Carl Jung, his concept was that alcoholics had a thirst for spirituality, had a thirst for God. I relate that to me as a compulsive overeater, having a hunger for spirituality, having a hunger for God. How was that going to happen? Well, again, through the application, through the journey of these steps. And the book is designed to bring about that experience. And indeed it did. And with that, I pass things. Thank you, Leah. Raquel, you're next. Hello. Hi, Melanie. Hello, everybody on the line. Um, Thank you for all these wonderful words of wisdom. And I I really find myself in these two paragraphs very strongly. First, about the fearlessness. How do I acquire the fearlessness? And I have kind of an image in my mind about how to acquire that fearlessness, but I found somebody saying it far better than I can in um, Dr. Bob's, uh, Dr. Bob and the good old timers. Um, he says, um, but I think faith can be acquired. It can be acquired slowly. It has to be cultivated. That was not easy for me and I assume that it is difficult for everyone else. And then in this daily reflection, it says, well, the the fear is that what stands in the way. Fear is often the force that prevents me from acquiring and cultivating the power of faith. Fear blocks my appreciation of beauty, tolerance, forgiveness, service, and serenity, especially serenity. And I, I, I remember I have a picture in my mind of this little boy, I, I, when I lived in Connecticut, I had a swimming pool at the end of the year. Students, kindergarten would come over with their parents and have a blast. This little boy was holding on to the bar so hard, he didn't want to let go of the shallow side. His mom and dad were standing by him and caressing him, and I was there reassuring him. He's, he was holding on with white knuckles. And I just thought to myself, God, you know, what would make this child let go of that tremendous amount of fear, which I really identify with, with really this total abandon, this total letting go? If God forbid somebody came with a hot iron like the branding iron and hit him over the hand, he would let go. 
and that's why the disease has to get so bad. Have to be so. I have to be so badly. I had to be so badly mangled, so that the that the pain of staying the way I was would be would be bigger than the amount of fear of 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 branching into something that I don't know yet where it's going to lead me. So this complete abandon, uh, you know, is, is a big thing. It's a biggie, and I, I have flashes of having that total faith and everything, and and then when life situations, you know, God has my uh, my curriculum mapped out, and things happen to me lately that were difficult, and then I, I have no intention of go no intention. God helps me not to go back to the food when it's difficult, but the turmoil inside. When, you, when, when I fail to realize that God knows what's good and what's up now in my curriculum, is, um, that, that's, that's the extent of the struggle which they're trying to, to really relieve me of. And that, uh, and I will, I will close, but I just have to mention, uh, in the same book, in the Reflections, it speaks about, um, uh, in June 3rd, on a wing and a prayer, and this person was so praying for the willingness, and he raised his eyes, he was out in nature, and saw a huge bird rising in the sky. He says, I watched it suddenly give itself up to the powerful air current on the mountains, swept along, swooping and soaring. The bird did things seemingly, seemingly impossible for mortal birds to do. It was an inspiring example of a fellow creature letting go to a powerful, to a power greater than itself. I realized that if the bird took back his will and tried to fly with less trust and its power alone, it would spoil its appearance, its, its apparent free flight. That insight granted me the willingness to pray the seven-step prayer. And this total abandon here is really in the matter, it's, it's a harder to let go of the character defects than of letting go, and that, the 12 steps are outlined right here, right now. So that's what I'm saying to myself. Raquel, it's right now on this quiet day. Just sit with it. Thank you all for being with me on the journey, and I pray. Thank you, Raquel. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Hi, this is Jennifer. This is Melissa. I heard Jenica and then Melissa. And that might just take us out to the end of the meeting. Thank you. Jenica, then Melissa. Hi, Deb. My name is Jenica. I'm a compulsive overeater from uh, Pennsylvania. And um, I just love this line, um, may you find him now, which implies to me that um, my higher power is accessible to me wherever I am. Um, it doesn't say, you know, go somewhere, read this book, um, you know, learn about this philosophy. It talks about, it says, may you find him now. So, you know, um, then it goes on to talk about, you know, how, how to do that. But I just love that concept that wherever I am in my life, I can access my higher power by my own means, which puts every single individual on this planet on the same level in terms of our access to peace and serenity. 
So that's what I have to share this morning. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Jenica. Melissa, you're next. Hi, this is Melissa from New York. Hi, good morning. I can, yes, good morning. Okay, good morning. Um, The the cunning and baffling and powerful food, Um, and I just think it's so important that I hear that again today, Um, and even where it comes in this part of the big book, um, because I'm abstinent, and so the allergy has not been activated, you know, and that's a beautiful place to be. But um, I know all too well, and I hear it again today, how the food is cunning and baffling and powerful, and it can become too much for me in the blink of an eye. Um, you know, it can I can hear it's whole grain, it's organic, it's only 100 calories, whatever that lie is. Um, that my disease tricks me into picking up, um, and then I'm then I'm back, you know, in the disease again, and that's why um, it is too much for me without my higher power, and that um, and I love that I can find him now, just like someone else had said. Um, I was always waiting to understand, you know, to get it in my brain. Um, but that's not really what's required. It's getting it inside my spirit and my heart. Um, and I can get that right now and today without fully um, understanding the power. I can just utilize the power. And um, this group has been life-changing for me. I'm hearing the big book in a whole new way. Um, I'm really getting it, I feel. And um, I love it. I drive into work, and I feel like I have this spiritual, you know, wonderful connection every morning and I'm just so grateful. Thank you so much and with that I pass. Thank you Melissa. We do have time for one short share if somebody is out there that would like to comment on what was just read. This is Rochelle. Hi Rochelle, good morning to you. Good morning. Very, very quickly. Uh, I was working on a fourth step again and uh, a resentment came. Someone who I went to the best art school in this country, and someone said about something that I designed that it was so ugly she couldn't look at it, and that she said that years ago, and it just surfaced recently. So I discussed it with somebody else, and uh, I, I called her up last night, and an amazing thing happened. I, I said to her, I'm trying to improve what I've done, and I was looking for suggestions. I wonder if you could, you know, maybe you or your husband could make a suggestion. I know that you helped somebody else someplace else. And um, she made suggestions, and they were they were great. And I was so thankful when I got off the phone with her. And here's that's where the freedom comes in. I was able to give over resentment. I was able to articulate to the person in a constructive way. And uh, the results were I felt free. And and it's so an amazing thing. So that's what I wanted to share. Thank you. Thank you, Rochelle. Thank you. And that does bring us to the close of this recorded hour of our meeting. Thank you to everyone who has shared today. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Sylvia please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Uh, This is Sylvia, Recover Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little 
God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who still is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.